Join me, 48 Hours Correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the labyrinth of crime and secrets within families. I'm cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved, including investigators and the families of victims. Listen to My Life of Crime with Erin Moriarty wherever you get your podcasts. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hi there, and welcome to Happy Chemicals, the show that allows me to ignore my work for a couple minutes. Uh, today I want to talk about power. I just wrote an article called Power and Exploration on my Substack at letsgocnote.substack.com, and I kind of want to just like read this to you and annotate it. Right? I got a prompt from my friend about power, like what does power mean to you? And power has been a theme that I think I've noticed amongst really just like kind of the modern world or the postmodern world right now in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, really thinking about hierarchy and government structures and the different ways that generations are reacting to power. Um, and there's just a lot that comes up around <clears throat> self-permission, self-sovereignty, self-power. There are people who throttle their power. There are people who are not stepping into power unless there are people that step down, you know, and then there are others that are waiting for, for others to assert themselves first before they're even deemed to be powerful. So, and then power has its like different definitions. So this article sort of explores that. So let's just go ahead and start reading it. I heard someone say this morning that when you embrace all of who you are, you have nothing left to defend. I love that sentiment because it inherently mitigates the amount of energy you have to expend on defending yourself. <clears throat> I wonder if many people feel powerless because they're utilizing their power in this way. I certainly relate to this feeling or assumption that I would never have enough energy or power to create new opportunities for myself. But continuing to dive into and own who you, <clears throat> who you are makes you far less shaky and doesn't require as much energy to dance around what's uncomfortable to face. I was recently prompted to think more about power. What does it mean to me? Contextually, it came up because we started exploring it in relation to personal power, permission, and sovereignty. It's one thing to have power over others, or others having power over you, but how does that shift when sovereignty enters the chat, and we become less crippled by perceived power? Much of the time, when I hear someone talk about power, it is in this hierarchical sense that someone has power over me, or us, or my circumstance, <clears throat> or therefore I can't do much. 
Power is something someone else has. This tends to lead someone to seek power wherever they can find it. They start manipulating people around them to, or exploiting them in small ways. We want others to obey us, to feel this balance of power. It's like when the matriarch of the house is in charge, and their husband feels emasculated, because he doesn't speak up for himself, so he takes it out on the oldest kid, instead whom he perceives as weaker, who then takes it out on the next kid down the line, and all of that energy transfers to the youngest child. The first person felt like a victim, because they didn't express their own sovereignty, and created victims to feel power instead of facing their oppressor. Perhaps the matriarch has her own power dynamics she's asserting, or perhaps she's just an assertive person, and the father isn't so, it, the father isn't, so he reacts poorly to this mixed, uh, mixed with cultural expectation. I'm using this as an example, but there are so many configurations of this. But this is power in relation to conflict. Does it always have to be about conflict? I think power becomes this evil or complained about thing when it's not exchanged. The mother in the example I gave may not have any back down energy to her. Perhaps she feels like she's, um, perhaps she feels that because she's a woman she wants to, who wants to be in charge, she can't back down at all, and the father finds it difficult to keep up or doesn't want to. He attempts to assert power or responsibility, and uh, she keeps one-upping him. This is a clear hierarchy dynamic as opposed to a partnership. I think any partnership or relationship that is functioning well is a healthy exchange of power. It may be that the father doesn't know where his power should go, because it's not necessarily realistic or fair to ask someone to defer their power because someone feels inadequate. I do see it as the individual's job to find their power, their flow, their purpose, and their placement. Partnerships usually form because there is a need for an exchange of power. You're good at this, and I'm good at this. I can support you while you lead this way, and you can support me while I lead in this way. Or sometimes we can just get out of the way entirely. So I need to, so I don't see power as bad, but it can be complicated. But what is power really? M money? Is it status? If you think about it in, in the traditional sense, it's about moving energy and more about the ability to move physical stuff. <clears throat> and um, if you can move a boulder, you've got power and the power to move things. You develop the ability to move things, but may start out with an advantage in height or genetics in some way. An advantage can lead to a greater opportunity to achieve power. I'm five foot four, laying in bed, typing on my laptop, and that comes with limitations in my physical power compared to someone who is six, a six foot five wrestler training regularly. So that seems pretty obvious, right? But what about the subtle realms like social power, culture, governmental systems, and status? What about social power? Favoritism, nepotism, cultural bias, charm, sex appeal, persuasiveness, <clears throat> and social leverage points of knowing who has the power to do what things can fit the bill. This is especially true in areas like high school where social power is important to test reproductive viability. It's a game of popularity and the most popular get the spoils. In this case, popularity is power, and that can translate to celebrities and influencer culture as well. Social organizations like religious and organizations that uh, people work for have to create social reinforcement mechanisms like rules or moral guidelines that need to be followed or they'll be fired or denied opportunity. Certainly being a gatekeeper to opportunity yields a lot of power, and this is why societies and new generations work to create demand for flexibility and new rules or codes if people are losing too many opportunities, since 
times change, evolve, and biases are uncovered or are no longer relevant. Organizations have power, but people also have power to push back if the power isn't justified. Having status is a form of power, which can supersede physical attributes or popularity because of sex appeal. It can also be about achievement, resources, someone who is an opportunity opener, a middleman of complex social connections, producers and decision makers, investors and agents. We've seen all sorts of abuses of this power being rooted out in the last 15 years or so, because if you're the sole gatekeeper, then you can ask for a high price. Technology has leveled this playing field and taken power away from these middlemen to enable creators and business owners to bypass agents and go straight to platforms to host their work. A person, or, a person of status isn't the creator of status as much as the creator of the art, which, is, which expands the power of individuals to obtain opportunity for themselves. An opportunity feels like a main force in the subtle realms of power. I guess that would translate to the physical as well. If you gain skills such as physical power, develop your look, or build an interesting idea with your mind, then you can expand your opportunities. If you have opportunities or are the gatekeeper of the opportunities, then power comes with that too. Canceling has been a new social power, unlocking to shame people who aren't being ethical, boycotting businesses, or ignoring the underdog. A new co cohort of community-centric humans who understand supply and demand. So they're using their power to be more demanding of, of creating a world that is an ideal of how they'd like the world to be. Again, granting or denying opportunity by saying some people shouldn't have power, which ironically is a use of power. For a long time in our development, power is about external things. I want something and I go get it. I want something and I need to follow the rules to go get it. I want something and I need to create something to go get it. Does power turn inward? I think power turns inward when we realize that all of our wants cause a lot of our problems and that other people wanting things also causes problems. I find it a little hilarious that life could be pretty great as a kid if you're getting everything you want without resistance, but as soon as you start encountering other humans wanting things, then suddenly humans suck. It feels like quote-unquote humans suck lasts a long time because other people also want things that contradict with the things we want. And I don't mean just physical stuff that wanting the world to be a certain way or practicing religion a certain way or thinking about science a certain way and caring about culture a certain way. You expand to a certain level of awareness and suddenly so many people are the enemy. What a wild thing. <clears throat> but we go through life as the subject and others are the object. We don't see our role in the power dynamic much of the time until we get sick of ourselves. So naturally it makes sense to get tired of all of that at some point. I return to the quote I mentioned about embracing all of who you are and therefore having nothing left to defend, which means to me that turning our power inward means discovering what we need, not just what we want, awakening to the awareness that it's not just others that, also, that abuse power, that we've done it too, and owning that we exert excess energy in defense of being seen as a good person, creating an impossible ideal, or seeking status or popularity continually without intention. It's one thing to work out physically and assume that we need to just build muscle as fast as possible to be strong, but to be athletic and versatile requires a different skill. You can train to move a boulder to be ready to for a wide array of moments in, uh, is a very different thing. You need flexibility, you need a good diet, and you need conditioning and contextual practice. I see the work of inner power as taking the time to refine the process of wants and needs to understand all of who we are, own our faults, and be a much more versatile usage of our power 
in pursuit of wants that don't create excess drama for our body, our heart, and mind. Inner work isn't about more power, so much as it's tuning, refining, and freeing up energy, because we don't need to exert power in every situation, and sometimes letting someone else exert their power gets us what we want or, or need more easily. The power now becomes about focus, clear thinking, better decision-making, and strategizing more effectively uh, with the knowledge of our desires being a guide for how to navigate others' desires. In a sense, we become our own gatekeepers for opportunity by having knowledge of how others exert power. That can be a very powerful position, which can appear scary to some if they knew the extent of this way of thinking, but part of clear thinking is doing the ethical cleanup work to not abuse that power. This is an ongoing process, but it works well when well-resourced. So power is necessary and part of our human experience. We need to push our limits and experience them to come up with new strategies to enable opportunity. And I think if I'm going to pick a one-liner uh, to express what I think power is, I'd say it's exerting energy to enable the opportunity to survive and thrive. That's how I see it, at least. So, that's the end of the article. I hope that made some sense. Um, I see power as that's a way more sovereign than we get a quick of a credit for. There are so many opportunities where we can exert ourselves to get what we want, but then there are also times where we're overexerting our power, and that's actually undermining the ability to get what we want, right? Because it's maybe triggering people in a way that is undermining your own needs, right? You're just activating people. And that's some of the challenge that I've seen with supporting people in like their PR messaging and stuff like that. It's like, I don't want to get canceled or I don't, uh, I should say whatever I want or uh, whatever, which, you know, I don't disagree with those sentiments, but ultimately like as a designer, the number one thing I think about is not distracting people. And if you're trying to navigate people through something, you need to not distract them. You know, you need, you need, you need your followers to be the sheep <laughs> in, the, in the shepherd uh, example. Um, and I know like being a sheep quote unquote is like such a negative thing, but like we all do it. And sometimes we don't, there's just the idea of like being the non-playable character, but like to so many people, there's like, we are the non-playable character in their life. Like it's a give and take, it's an exchange. It's not that you're the main character and other people aren't. It's like, Sometimes you are, and sometimes you aren't. <laughs> sometimes you're just, you know, living your life and, and not the star player, and it's okay to not be the star player. You don't have to be exerting your power all the time. And, uh, you know, there's great benefit to that. And I think, uh, I don't know, I think a lot of us are learning that lesson, that uh, being the star isn't all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> so it's... It's a challenge to figure out this balance of like what power is, what it means. I think I think it is all relative to opportunity. I think relative like opportunity is is really why we would even want to exert power in the first place. Like we need we need a clear path. We need something to get out of our way. Um, we want what we want, right? And there's no surprise that power for uh, mimetically in terms of spiral dynamics opens up at the red sort of mythic warrior stage when we start to get out of dependence of our family unit and starting to exert ourselves like you know not just walking to the fridge and grabbing things but like oh i want something so i'm gonna go get a job i'm gonna go you know maybe steal something from the store i'm gonna go you know exert some 
cunning or sex appeal or strategy or power. Like, just all sorts of different versions of it. And, like, we could probably go down the rabbit hole of, like, personality, cognitive function usage of power, but everyone's got a version of, like, trickery or brute force or whatever, and you can probably assign those to, like, archetypes, specifically more of the mythic Greek god or Norse god archetypes or even Egyptian god archetypes to figure out kind of where your source of power might be. Not in a regressive, like, embody those archetypes kind of way, but sort of determining where your sense of uh, assertiveness lies and how you exert that. And then getting to know how that clashes with other people's kinds of assertiveness. Like, to wrap this up, what I found interesting is that during uh, the last event that I worked at, we looked around at the team and we're like, I don't think any of us are team players. We're, <laughs> we're all kind of like dominant individualists in a lot of ways. And uh, the reason it works so well is that we tend to stay in our own lane, but if somebody comes into our lane or we go into their lane, we end up doing this dance of, of, of knowing the hierarchical system in the moment because hierarchy exists and it's always something that is in play. And if two people are at, trying to be at the top, they're going to clash. Uh, so usually there's, you know, there's a dom and there's a sub. <laughs> it's not always just a two-person dynamic, but there's somebody that's in charge or they're the expert of the situation or they have a vision and it's the others to either carry it out or to get out of the way or to figure out their own thing, right? And I think that's where a lot of people feel a lot of negativity around power is that a lot of people are trying to do the same thing. So there's this massive hierarchy of, you know, social media influencing, for example. Like, if there's a lot of people in the same niche, there's going to be a lot of competition and a lot of infighting to figure out who's at the top of this thing. Which is why a lot of the times figuring out a specific niche when you're trying to build a product or something is, is usually the best. So you can position yourself at the top of the top of your own made pile, <laughs> so to speak, you know. And uh, that's really a part of that process is figuring out, you know, where your dominant energy lies there. Where Where is a place that you can exert power with little to no competition and be able to, you know, make that viable. So anyway, that's a whole thing. So uh, this is just an exploration of power. I'm curious about what you think about power. Uh, you can subscribe at letsgocnote.substack.com for more articles and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, just appreciate you listening. Uh, shout out to Iceland cause the podcast shot up the charts in Iceland recently. So I appreciate you for listening. Thank you for that. And, uh, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me on social media at let's go see note. I'm usually on Twitter. So if you're on Twitter, hit me up there. Uh, I have to go do work that I was avoiding by doing this podcast. So I'm going to go do that. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Happychemicals.org is still the website. There's like one or two courses up there for INTPs if you're interested. And uh, you can support on YouTube as well. YouTube.com slash at happychemicals. And there's a join button there to, you know, donate and join. And there's courses and all that stuff in there too. So, yeah, that's that. Thanks for listening. I've been C-Note, a.k.a. Christian Rivera, and I'll catch you next time on Happy Chemicals. See ya.